This is the Equip Podcast from Cornerstone Church of Ames, a podcast designed to help you live a gospel-fueled and faithful life wherever Jesus has called you. Well, welcome again to the Equip Podcast from Cornerstone Church. My name is Mark Vance, and I am joined by a special guest today on the podcast. One of our elders, Brent Haverkamp, is joining me today. So Brent, welcome to the Equip Podcast. Good afternoon, Mark. So, okay, this is our topic, and this is part of kind of a two-parter series. we got Brent on one of these. We're going to have Brandon Patton, Lord willing, on another one of these podcasts. And we really want to talk about what eldership is all about. It's been a central feature of Cornerstone. It was one of the things that Brent attracted me the most when I first came to Cornerstone Church over a decade ago was just the value that this church placed on a plurality of leadership, uh, both articulated biblically and then fleshed out really practically. You have lived on the front lines of that plurality, Brent, for, well, let maybe we'll start this way. When did you first join the elder team at Cornerstone? So um, Cornerstone started in the fall of 1994, and um, I joined as an elder then. Um, I was in no sense an elder, really. I was 27 uh, years old. And, you know, that was one of the things I was just going to talk about. Um, You know, it's really different um, how our church plants, um, you know, choose leadership and uh, practice this plurality than how we practice it at Cornerstone after 28 years. Okay. So highlight some of the differences because I, I mean, obviously the age range is different in our elder room today. I'm trying to think, I think I am the youngest elder. Well, Dave lovers Mm. might be younger than me, but I think our youngest elder is probably mid to upper thirties right now. Yep. And so even just the age is different. So maybe give a little contrast there, Brent, between like yeah. a church plant. We yeah. see a lot of that. And Cornerstone is an established church. So I see it um, in our church plants in particular. And it's the same thing that Cornerstone had is the biggest challenge in a new church is to find those qualified men, those qualified elders, And I think um, they're often a little bit hesitant um, to share leadership, um, you know, at that level, particularly to young um, people that, you know, may not have a whole ton of experience um, like me um, when I was 27 years old. And for Cornerstone, I think it's a real different thing. So you have an abundance of people to choose from. And, but your challenge and, you know, is, you know, you have a staff of dozens and, um, you you know, there's just a lot of leadership within the staff of Cornerstone. Uh, We didn't have that when we started Cornerstone and our, our church plants don't have that. And so your challenge is, well, how do I involve and how do I use the elders and what decisions uh, should I get input on and what should we spend our time on? It's a, it's a choice for you. Um, when we started at Cornerstone, you know, uh, we talked about everything. Um, it, was, it was highly relational. 
And we are, our meetings were unorganized. And some of that, you know, was just due to the people in the room. Um, but, but some of it was just, um, you know, we didn't have a lot of experience with leadership. And so our meetings would run for hours and we would talk about, you know, just all of the details of both our lives and the life of the church. And it was interchangeable. And so it's really changed um, over the last three decades. Mark. Mm. So let's highlight some of, I, I think maybe we'll go like the unchanging things and then the changing things. Yeah. So like, for instance, one of the things that hasn't changed is the model. I don't know if you call it the model of church governance or church leadership we've used at Cornerstone. So different churches are run different ways. You've got what we could call like the single elder congregational rule church. That's actually what I grew up in. Uh, the single elder in the church was the pastor and the congregation voted on everything and kind of appointed a group of deacons to keep the pastor in line. That was kind of the model that I grew up there. Sometimes you have a more plural elder, limited congregationalism. So elders run the church, the congregation votes in a more limited way. That's similar to kind of where Cornerstone is at, where you might have a lead pastor who's considered the first among equals in the elder room, but with a leadership responsibility. Other churches would have, I'm familiar with like many mega churches have what is a pure staff model. The congregation basically votes to approve a budget. And other than that, the staff runs everything, mm -hmm. and um, there's a board of directors almost. It's a more corporate sort of model. We've held to this deep-rooted plurality where even in our bylaws, over half the elders have to be lay elders. We can't mm -hmm. stack it full of just staff because we don't want to be just staff. So talk to me a little bit about, because you were part of the first founding group that helped to form those principles. Why is that the model that we've used at Cornerstone? Why did we land there? I, I think it's important to realize that, you know, Cornerstone was born out of a church that had a different leadership model at the time. And so, you know, when we started Cornerstone, we were convinced biblically that, you know, a shared pluralistic leadership model was the the biblical way to govern a church and but it was brand new to us uh, none of us had experience um, with that model and so um, I think it's really interesting it's a little bit like like parenting right parenting is a is a shared parenting model um, but a lot of you see it done a lot of different ways and we've seen it done a lot of different ways at Cornerstone. And so, you know, with Troy um, being um, the lead pastor, um, there's just a lot of differences in how um, a church can be led in that model. Okay, so Brent, you guys then started Cornerstone with a church model, okay, a plurality that you were convinced in from Scripture, but you hadn't lived practically. So the question I have is how many years was it from there before you got it right? Like you felt like we've nailed it. We know how to do this. I think we're still working on that, Mark. Um, <laughs> and I, I think it's like asking a parent, hey, when did you figure out parenting? And when did you get it right? And I think very seldom 
um, you'll get the answer of, oh, four years ago, then we figured it out and we understood how to parent our children uh, correctly. And I think you learn lessons over the years. Um, and, you know, one thing that um, we haven't talked about, but the, the shared leadership model, I think, values certain things over other things. And for instance, it values things like trust, unity, accountability, humility over expediency, um, maybe even over making the right decision. It values uh, unity over that. And so I think there's an understanding of what shared leadership is good at. And we say, oh, okay, maybe that's why the Bible calls that out. And maybe it's an understanding of, of embracing those things. Um, and that at least what helped me, um, Mark, I'm, I think a little bit like you, I tend towards the expedient um, sometimes over the, you know, um, the other, you know, yeah. that, that we talked about. And, and, but I've learned that, oh, there's value in this process. There's value in the shared experience of leadership. And so, mm -hmm. yeah. I remember Alex Tuckness, one of our great elders here at Cornerstone. I, at one point we were talking, I can't remember the issue. And I was frustrated because I'm like, Alex, it's just taking us so daggone long. Like, it's so slow to get to this decision. He's like, well, Mark, efficiency is not a fruit of the spirit. Mm. And that has stuck with me for years because I, oh, I'm, I'm, I've inverted what's the higher priority right now. In, in preparation earlier this afternoon, Mark, I went and I just read the qualifications of an elder, you know, and Timothy and Titus. And I was struck again that they were almost all character attributes. They weren't qualifications. You, you know, they were character. And so I just wondered again if how a church is to be organized is more about the character of their leadership than it is about even how that leadership functions. Mm. And so wise. it's just a, it was just a good reminder for me. So let's think through a few of those those things that when you look at plurality, the character of the leadership, what are some of those character traits, Brent, that through the years, just the, they need to be highly valued for a church to be healthy? And you've kind of seen that in practice. What's some of those just off the top of your head you've seen that, that char this character trait particularly is needed for plurality to be vibrant and real? Yeah, you, you have to value the group, you know, more than you value yourself, your, your own ideas. Um, you really have to have the humility to say, oh, um, I might need to be quiet in this room um, right now. Um, you have to choose to trust. Um, and instead of, you know, I think back to Alex again, um, I think the idea, he talks about BAM and WHAM. And so this idea yeah. of the best available motive 
um, or the worst available motive. And you have to work hard to attribute the best available motive um, to, um, to people. And then you have to value unity even more than the best ideas. Um, and so you have to say, well, this would unify the group. And even though I might not think it's the best idea, um, unity is the highest value here. So there's a, there's a few things I think. No, that's good. That I, I think most people could learn a great lesson just by applying that in their life. Mm. Just period. Yes. How many conflicts I'm in, in a relationship or in a business or in a family are because I've actually signed that person, the worst available motive mm-hmm. instead of the best available motive. I've valued my own input over the unity of the family. You know, yeah. I just think there's a lot of wisdom there, yeah. period. Yeah. So, Let's talk a little about the differences you've seen in plurality over the years at Cornerstone since 1994 now to 2022. Um, is What's the same and what's really different in how plurality functions, Brent? So um, the thing that's the same is I believe we function in plurality today and that we functioned in plurality nearly three decades ago. Um, but almost everything else is different. And, um, <laughs> almost everything else. Yeah, it really Wild. is. And, and so I just, it's hard to even compare the two, to be honest with you. And so when we started, I mean, we had three uh, staff members at Cornerstone and they were all elders. Um, and so all the staff um, were elders. And um, then we had three non-staff elders and the six of us, um, really made all the decisions uh, for Cornerstone. And it we, we met um, a lot more um, then um, than we do now, having, you know, a few thousand members um, at Cornerstone. And we started with a couple dozen. And, and so you can imagine almost everything about that is different. And... Um, you know, it's not a lot different um, than than a business that starts, you know, maybe with a few customers and, you know, one or two employees, and then it grows to a, a large organization. And large organizations just require dramatically different skills um, from both the leadership and the staff. And... Um, you know, they're just a multitude. Um, and I don't even know how to, you know, uh, go into, yeah. those, into those details, but everything about it is different. It's Larry Osborne has a book that we've read chapters out of before. Um, I think it was in Sticky Teams where he talks about this concept of the game and the growth. And he used an analogy. He said, when the church starts, everybody doing everything, you're like golfing buddies. You know, everybody hits every shot. You're talking about everything. You're moving along. But then you might move from, you know, or maybe in the beginning, you're like track athletes. You're almost individual track to golf, to basketball team, to football team, to almost like a sports league. And he says, no one of those models is right versus wrong. There's not a small church is more biblical than a big church or a big church is more biblical than a small church. The question is, given the size uh, in scale that God has grown the size of that church and allowed it to grow, what's the best way to apply the principle of plurality 
then and there. So there are unchanging character priorities in the leadership of men. There are some unchanging job priorities, maintaining sound doctrine, uh, prayer, things of that nature that are dictated in scripture. But the shape and the way that that looks just seems to need to shift so much based on the the game, so to speak, that you're you're playing. And, you know, as I reflected on this idea, um, I was just struck by, you, you know, it seems to me that this idea of plurality is really rooted in the gospel. You know, we believe um, that we're all sinners. And this idea of plurality is, okay, how do we, how do we create this system of accountability and oversight um, in a way that sort of starts with the ideas, oh, we're flawed, sinful people, and how do we protect the church? Um, you know, what's a method to protect the church from flawed, sinful people? And so it just, it just struck me like the roots of this idea of leadership is really rooted in the gospel. So Wow, that's fascinating. So think with me ahead, Brent. We've talked a little behind. Now we're kind of thinking forward. We know that plurality, the basic essential function has stayed a bedrock value for us since day one at Cornerstone. But the form and the shape that it's taken is necessarily adapted with wisdom. Now we're looking at the situation in 2022. You've had the vantage point to see the growth of leadership at Cornerstone over the years. What do you think our challenges are as we look to the future, as you reflect on that? Yeah. You, you know, um, I think at the beginning, um, you know, plurality was sort of, was sort of baked into the cake. And now um, we have very capable leaders um, at Cornerstone and we have a large staff. And it's a little bit to what I alluded to before is, okay, how do we not lose plurality with a very competent staff? And so, um, you know, you, Mark, will have to choose, um, you know, okay, which items are we going to spend time on and that we're going to slow down on and that are important because we don't have the luxury of making all the decisions for Cornerstone anymore. And, you know, anybody that listens to this podcast that thinks the elders make all the decisions, it's just not the way it is. But we so value plurality because we think it's biblical, because we believe it provides that safe, moralistic leadership that the Bible calls for that we don't want to lose that value. And so, but it's, it's challenging, um, you know, because, um, it, you know, it's even challenging for you. Um, you don't know everything that goes on in Cornerstone in the same way that, you know, Troy knew what was going on in Cornerstone, um, um, you know, just because you can't, uh, anytime we had, um, a marriage that was in trouble, we might spend a whole elders meeting discussing that issue. Um, and so we don't have the luxury of doing that anymore. And so we have, you know, staff that, that help care for our people. And so what we talk about 
and the time that we spend is is mm-hmm. important and we need to value that and mm-hmm. to understand what the goal of our leadership is and then accomplish that yeah i think that plurality is going to be so essential uh brent because if we want to be not not just have a here today gone tomorrow sort of legacy but we want to plant a generational legacy of the gospel um then actually character and faithfulness and stability and rootedness those values become more and more and more important than just charisma yeah um charisma you can you can manufacture that a little bit um but plurality in some ways that that word from alex efficiency is not the goal of the gospel has resonated with me over and over because I'm convinced in the long term, gospel impact is heightened by consistency and character and headed the wrong direct the right way for a long time. It takes endurance that plurality gives you. And you know, one thing I I thought about was I think so many churches say they value plurality, but um, really. I would probably ask the question, okay, that's great. How do you practice plurality? What does it, what does it really look like? Um, how do you make sure that you have shared leadership? And that's the challenge for us um, yep. is, yep. okay, you, you say you value plurality. What's your practice? And w- what, what do you do intentionally um, that, uh, you know, that your practice really says that you value that type of leadership plurality. And, you know, so many of us uh, listen to podcasts on Mars Hill and, you know, we were just sort of shocked by how could that happen? And, you know, they said they valued plurality, but they lost the practice of it practically. And I think our challenge um, and for a lot of churches, our size is how do we keep that as a high value? Yeah, it's a great principle. It It's also, I think, a challenge for us in the next phase will be not simply saying, well, we have plurality because we have plural elders. Mm. Um, that would be believing that plurality is embodied only in one leadership form. What we've really wanted is this principle of shared leadership to be modeled by mm. the Council of Elders, but to be embedded at every layer we could throughout the church. Yeah. So we, we, it's why you see things like shared preaching and teaching on Sundays mm-hmm. versus one teacher. Why? Well, we wanted to have a model that wasn't just one person who did everything. And so I think Brent seeing this drip all the way through, what does shared leadership look like in a youth setting? How do we empower connection group leaders to act as gospel shepherds to those among their midst, distributing that leadership, not just simply saying, oh, we have plurality because we have elders, plural. Well, yeah, that's that's the most meaningful and central expression of it for us. But it's a picture of a sort of principle of wisdom we think needs to be all over the place. We have to keep pursuing that. Rooted in the gospel starting with the idea is we're sinful fallen leaders and we're sinful fallen people. And so how do we help ourselves, you know, with accountability in this way? So, yeah. 
Well, Brent, I so appreciate you as an elder through the years at Cornerstone being patient to help uh, lead through all these different ways of leadership and the faithfulness that you've shown in that. And I'm really appreciative of the time to spend together just talking a little bit about it for people on the Equip podcast, a principle that's so important, a plurality test at Cornerstone. So Brent, thanks again for your time. Yeah, you're very welcome. Thanks, Mark. Thanks, Mark.